Welcome to NJASA's Frontline Leadership for Extraordinary Times video podcast series. Our guest today is Roger Leone, Superintendent and Chief Education Officer of the Newark Public School System and successful alumnus of Newark Schools. Roger was born in Newark, attended Hawkins Street School from kindergarten to eighth grade, and graduated from Science High School. As a resident of Newark, he truly understands the city's needs and has dedicated over 25 years of his professional life to improving and enriching the lives of Newark students. In July of 2018, he became Newark's first Hispanic superintendent and the first superintendent in more than two decades to report directly to Newark's Board of Education rather than to state education officials. Since his appointment, he has worked collaboratively with local stakeholders, conducted audits of every facet of the 36,000 student system, and is spearheading the efforts to make the Newark district second to none. Thank you, Roger, for taking time out of your busy schedule to participate in our 14th video podcast. Before we begin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. A um, uh, lot of work that we have uh, been doing and dealing with uh, and uh, making a lot of uh, adjustments. So we're mastering flexibility right about now. Yes, learning, learning some things. I imagine those 25 years you haven't had to uh, learn before. So let me go to uh, some, some important points. It's a kind of a long list, but uh, you're managing New Jersey's largest, most diversified, and one of the state's oldest school systems. Every district faces similar types of challenges created by the COVID-19 crisis, but I'd imagine that in Newark, you've got some unique challenges just because of the size, your number of students, faculty, and staff. It's a lot to cover, but give our audience an idea of how you're managing summer programs, because I know you're ahead of that in many aspects in other school districts, your budgeting for next year, how you're distributing food, really important, the emotional and mental health issues of your students, families, and staff. And you're thinking about reopening, including internet access and ensuring a healthful school environment. A long list, but important topics. No, definitely. Uh, really, really important topics. A lot of people aren't aware that uh, the Newark school system has existed for 163 years. Uh, I am the 21st superintendent. As you already noted, I'm the first Latino uh, in the city's uh, history. Uh, the school system currently has uh, over 55,000 students. Uh, 38,000 are what people understood to be the Newark school system. Then I have 19,000 students that are in our charter schools. And then I always add the plus because there are a number of students in the Archdiocese of Newark, in the private schools. We have two private schools in Newark. And then there's a host of uh, families who believe that their children will be best educated outside of the city of Newark. So I encompass a total of about 55,000 plus students uh, in the work with the responsibility of obviously impressing upon everyone that the needs of all of their children um, is, is my first priority. With the pandemic, of course, um, and even the, the civil unrest that the nation um, uh, has faced and is uh, of facing, uh, we are finding ourselves in some very extraordinary times. And um, a lot of what people expect of school and schooling uh, will look a lot different come this uh, fall. So as it relates to the summer, we've obviously been um, planning through two in-person pilots at two of our elementary schools, First Avenue and 13th Avenue School. A lot of really important lessons learned um, 
our virtual summer program has over 4,000 students in it. Uh, our in-person summer school program has under 100 students in it. And part of what we're doing is kind of um, managing uh, the timing of the ingress procedures, as well as the academic um, uh, piece. Obviously, um, the budget we've received um, uh, some news over the last um, a couple of weeks with regards to how budget cuts are facing us. So we're in the phase of reallocating uh, our dollars and going before the board in uh, about two weeks uh, to have them approve the, the plan that we have. Um, facing uh, budget cuts is not something new to the school system. When I arrived in this role two years ago, we've had a structural deficit historically of $120 million each year. So we have managed to do a lot with less. Uh, as it relates to food, uh, the summer, um, the actual uh, return to uh, virtual instruction began uh, 20 weeks ago. So uh, encompassing our one week of spring break, we have distributed 750,000 meals to the children in, and their families here in the great city of Newark. Uh, in collaboration with the mayor, uh, he has distributed over 800,000 uh, meals to our residents. So all in all, during by the end of the summer, we will have uh, distributed two, uh, 2 million meals to either the residents or the, the children and their respective uh, families um, in Newark. As you already mentioned, the academic program is obviously extremely important uh, to me, but uh, because of uh, the pandemic, it is not that I wasn't ever worrying about the health and safety of our children. You know, there are uh, different um, medical issues and concerns that our students do actually have, but COVID-19 has asked us to, uh, and all of my colleagues, to step away from just focusing on the academic program and placing special emphasis on the social emotional needs of our students. So um, we uh, created a target group of students uh, during the spring that we were providing counseling services to, as well as addressing the needs of students who, for whatever reasons, rose to our uh, level of concern, whether it was at the school level or the or the district level, but ultimately come September, uh, we want to assess how the students uh, were doing during uh, only virtual instruction. So we'll be assessing uh, academic programming uh, in the middle of April, as well as giving a social emotional assessment, um, you know, to our students. Um, a lot of what we are doing is planning uh, for uh, in-person instruction for students uh, that will, uh, in fact, be visiting uh, with us come September, as well as improving our um, virtual programming. The main objective for us is to make sure that the academic program is um, improving, given the realities that we may not necessarily have that much control over. You mentioned the importance of the technology piece. So one of the things that helped us, as opposed to something that my colleagues in some of the other uh, larger school districts in New Jersey uh, were experiencing, was that we had an overwhelming number of students whose parents, I'm so proud of the parents of our uh, children, who actually uh, saved money and were purchasing technology for the students prior to the pandemic. So the need of our students, although uh, extensive, 
uh, as it relates to the technology, um, it definitely assisted us greatly that the parents were um, providing for the technology on their own. Uh, we've distributed over 10,000 Chromebooks to our students. Um, obviously, connectivity was one major factor, as well as uh, providing for hotspots. Uh, so it, the technology is not only as good as the uh, software on it, but the ability to, for children to access that. And so uh, I think we did an incredible job during uh, the um, uh, weeks leading to the closing of in-person instruction on March 16th we actually continued the academic program uh, from when our students um, uh, last were with us on the 13th of March. It's quite a, quite a list, quite a, a set of accomplishments during that period of time and so many challenges. I know in the past when we talked, Roger, that at, at some point that you felt you had enough uh, protective, uh, personal protective equipment uh, to, for staff and students as you started the year. Has that changed for you as time has gone by? Because I think you've shared some of that with, with uh, some of the needs in the city as well. Yeah, so one of the things that um, we were, um, our school system historically rises to the level of the expectations of a crisis. Part of what our work is right now is that once this virus is more behind us than ahead of us, and we know that that time period um, is very not well known to date. That our challenge in Newark is to actually be in crisis mode when there isn't a crisis because the urgency of educating all of our students is our number one um, priority. So in the reality of what we're dealing with in the, the crisis, I believe that we have uh, elevated and modeled really well the importance of forecasting. So we were purchasing personal protective equipment prior to the closure. We were uh, training our custodial staff in an uh, intensive sanitizing and cleaning regimen that um, I think is um, something noteworthy uh, to be very, very proud of. We were uh, working with nurses on teaching students, pushing into classrooms as they normally do, and teaching our students the importance of uh, hygiene. Uh, we uh, focus more intensely on the masks after uh, the actual um, in-person instruction uh, ended on the evening of the uh, 13th. So as it relates to personal protective equipment, uh, we have, in partnership with the city of Newark, um, provided them with assistance and support and I, and I have to share with you that they have uh, returned that uh, the same and probably a whole lot more. Um, the, the mayor and his leadership, as well as his team, um, has um, resulted in me sitting in on two meetings uh, every day with only one meeting um, on uh, Sundays. There's a morning meeting of city officials and an evening uh, meeting, uh, my responsibility in playing a key a role in the emergency management team that he has set up is I do a report in the morning and I do a report in the evening um, as well. So we know that uh, whether it was providing personal protective equipment or our nurses who have uh, stepped it up, whether it was assisting at some of the testing sites or even providing direct assistance in our hospitals, our nurses have played a very critical role uh, during this uh, pandemic. And I would be remiss if I didn't 
you know, uh, include them with all of our essential workers, our custodial staff, obviously our food service workers, and definitely our security team with the nurses have really uh, provided a solid foundation for the work that we have been doing and obviously for the work ahead. Well, you know, as you, they certainly are heroes, I think, in terms of all the work and pitching in and, you know, risking their own health even to, to, to help the citizens uh, throughout the state. Uh, one of the things that you, as you mentioned, staff, in our conversations, even this morning uh, with our colleagues around the state in one of our meetings, talking about uh, such a difficult task, we now have a virtual option that parents may elect, um, some kind of in-person, whether, you know, the schools can handle all of that. So, it would be interesting to hear what that might look like for you. But the real concern is how many staff members might not come back because of their family members or themselves potentially being at significant risk and being allowed to. And uh, as I talk to some of our colleagues, uh, there are as many as 25 to 30 percent of staff members who may not be returning, making this job even that more, much more difficult. What are you experiencing in Newark so far? Sure. So we know that there are many unknowns. So as we're preparing for the start of the school, which our teachers return on the 1st of September and the, the principals return on the 3rd of August, everyone who is returning back to in-person instruction is required to be COVID-19 tested with obviously demonstrating negative results in order to re return back to school, whether it's central office on the 1st of July or at the schools as early as next week. So we know that um, we see the students in basically three categories. There's a group of students that we have uh, information on right now that their best academic program will be served by a, a virtual reality come September um, uh, 2020. We also know that there are a number of students where the parents, I've received communications from parents already who have indicated that uh, their preferences for their children uh, to remain on a uh, virtual instruction. So that's the second category. And then the third category are a group of students that um, returning to in-person instruction is a reality uh, for them. So we know that a lot of that is gonna be predetermined by what's the status of the health of the city oh, as we get closer to school. So we're preparing for in-person, but we know that the number of students based on social distancing will be small. The same holds truth to the staff. So the same three types of groups of, um, of uh, students, I envision that our staff would be uh, in those same types of schools. Even though Newark is the largest school district in New Jersey, um, you know, how they say all politics are local, everybody kind of knows everybody. Um, not only being born in Newark and attending at schools, working in the system, and still living in, in my great city, what we know today is that there are a number of people that because of relationships um, that are very pure, I just happen to know that there are certain people, whether it's on my executive team, whether it's principals at the schools, or even staff members, non-instructional as well as instructional, there are people that I'm aware that the best that is in their interest is not reporting to school at all. So we know that there is a category that I'm aware of. Uh, however, there are staff members that um, are really, really concerned. Either they have uh, children that they're worrying about or the virtual realities that their school systems in which their children are attending may be such that uh, virtual uh, is, their, is their best 
option. Uh, so we know that whether it's health related, personally, or a family relative, or if it's childcare related, that we have a group of staff members that um, returning to in-person instruction may not necessarily be in their best interest. But we also know, like occurred this uh, summer, that we had a group of teachers uh, that were able to return to in-person instruction, that were able in this pilot to uh, really model for us what real pioneers would do in bringing back a um, bringing back to the reality a normalcy. Uh, a lot of people call what we're doing right now the new normal. I would argue that it is quite abnormal, that the interaction between staff and students, because we have teachers beyond certified teachers. We have our crossing guards, our teachers, our teacher aides, they teach, our custodial staff. I can give you examples after examples of custodial staff who don't get teacher pay and they don't have teacher certification but are of our very best teaching staff members because they care and have children at the center. So regardless of what's the reality of our staff, we know that they will fit into these types of groups. So this summer, we maximize on in-person instruction. I have to share with you, my good friend, that to see the smiles on the children's faces. Um, one of the things that we'll be posting on the district's web are thoughts that the children have about their return to in-person instruction. Uh, we're clear that um, there are risks uh, that we are trying to consider calculated in our approach. Uh, we have an ingress procedure that I believe is modeled uh, across throughout the state in uh, organizations that were allowed by the governor to uh, provide in-person instruction to uh, children of first responders when in fact um, all of us were encouraged to do our very, very best in a virtual reality. So I think that we have, um, with two pilots, learned a lot. Um, I believe that when we get closer to September, while we are preparing for in-person instruction with social distancing across our schools, there's a lot of training that will need to occur with our uh, principals and administrators starting next week with our teaching staff members when they return the first week of September, and obviously with our parents. And what will occur is the training with our parents will occur between the dates of August 17th and August 28th. So we're going to have a two-week window of time, what we're calling it the uh, learning at home plan kits. So we're going to prep every single parent, regardless of what they did in the spring. Uh, I think that we've maximized the type of platforms that um, our, our teaching staff members will be utilizing. Uh, there are certain things that we started and stopped. So the teachers, and I'm ever so proud of them, maximize to a certain degree the ability to be flexible. And when they all return on the 1st of September, I will have my district staff convocation. It'll be my third. It is something that um, we did over uh, 10 years ago that I um, brought back as part of my administration where I bring it right to the staff members. Um, I'm going to need all of my staff members to exercise a new um, understanding of what patience means because we're going to really need to take a good breath before we actually figure out that what we just planned for yesterday for today 
has to change because we're doing something completely different for tomorrow. Incredible challenges uh, and important that training is so important because uh, as you well know, it's not just what you and your central team do, but as you mentioned, the custodians, the secretaries, the nurses, the teachers, the teacher's aides in, in ingratiating and bringing everybody back and, and maintaining all those protocols. Let, let me shift a little bit, if I might, Roger, to, to maybe lighten the load a little bit. But um, as I mentioned earlier, you're the first Newark superintendent over 20 years to work directly with the Board of Education, making the decisions that local boards do make rather than reporting the trend. How's that transition affected uh, your work and the work of your leadership team? Well, as you, as you indicated, the school system has been under state operation for 23 years. And on the um, 1st of February in 2018, uh, we began to uh, implement a transition plan. And the transition plan was to, uh, the, a lot of people aren't aware, but that three of the areas of CUSACs, uh, CUSAC operations, personnel, and finance were already um, given to the board uh, under the guise of local control governance and instruction and program were the two remaining areas. And uh, as you are already well aware, on the 1st of July, our, um, our commissioner and the State Board of Education uh, identified Newark as a high-performing school district and allowing us by meeting all of the requirements, the five requirements of CUSAC, equal to of that of any other school district in New Jersey. It's kind of humbling uh, for many people to go through the CUSAC process. And because of how consuming it is, not only time-wise, but its demand, that a lot of school districts across New Jersey were forced to compare themselves to Newark. Because obviously, Newark was having its difficulties in meeting all of the standards of CUSAC. Well, that's not new to other school districts. Um, the reality that they get compared to Newark is something that may not, may not necessarily sit well with everybody. The reality today is that Newark is poised to say, we have the same rights that every other um, municipality has where the citizens determine in this school district, it's a type two school district. So our citizens elect three board members uh, on a cycle every uh, year. And this nine member board is held accountable by its citizens through the power of the vote. Uh, and, and they are guided on basic two facts. One, they obviously hire the superintendent, uh, which uh, underwent a national search um, uh, sometime thereafter uh, the transition plan um, began. And with my um, uh, humbled appointment, on the 1st of, uh, of July. So it's been 25 years actually, even though two years were during the transition. And the transition had many criterias that the school system was now being judged by that were unlike any of the 23 previous years. So uh, every superintendent from Dr. Hall and Dr. Bolden, Dr. Jamie, Cami Anderson, and Christopher Surf every single one of those superintendents was moving the school system to this actual point. But in the last two years, we actually had to ratchet up a bit to um, make sure uh, that we were successful in, in this uh, transition. And obviously based on the results from the independent auditor, uh, we, are, we are nowhere where we need to be, I might add. You know, some of the blogs do entertain me uh, there are citizens all across New Jersey who believe that their tax dollars 
uh, could be better spent than uh, on the children of the city of Newark. And I would argue that they are very, very um, astute to make the analysis, but very, very warped on the realities that comes from the dollars that we spend in the city of Newark. My responsibility is to make sure that we are obviously always fiscally responsible and that the return of the investment is demonstrated. And I have to share with you, this school year, the class of 2020 uh, graduates with over $40 million in scholarships. We um, um, prevented families from having to spend four over $4 million in college courses that our students not only were registered for, but successfully completed, whether it was at Essex County College, Rutgers University, Newark, or the New Jersey Institute of Technology. So we are uh, taking um, full understanding and awareness that everyone in New Jersey understands that there's a lot of pressure on Newark. But I would argue, and I have been sharing this with my colleagues, and I am proud of all of the superintendents across all of the districts of New Jersey, because none of us went to school for what we've been experiencing over the last five months, that we are getting it together. And by Newark doing so puts added pressure on my colleagues, because if Newark gets it right, no one in New Jersey will have an excuse. Well, it's an amazing accomplishment and a lot yet to, to accomplish, as you've indicated. You know, Roger, I, I think as a lifelong uh, resident of Newark, you really are a true inspiration and a, a real wonderful role model for all of Newark students. And as the Chief Education Officer, let me just ask you before we close, uh, what final message would you like today to communicate with your students, family, staff, and as well with our fellow members? The start of this school year is going to be absolutely incredible. The work that we have been doing since the actual uh, start of virtual instruction on the 16th of March to where we are today in planning for the return to in-person instruction, whether it's in-person instruction or remote learning for our students, uh, will um, tap into uh, many important learnings. We know that the rigor in our academic program needs to uh, be enhanced. We know that uh, students, whether they're in person or um, at home during virtual uh, instruction, will need to understand that the expectation and the demand on all of the students will be equally the same. That the parent's role is not more now than ever. The parent's role has always been extremely important. However, we're going to definitely need uh, parents' assistance and support at the home. Everyone modeled and mastered I think um, if I were to give it a grade, uh, I know that the Nork Alliance um, has shared that we've pretty much exceeded a lot of people's expectations. The superintendent has a bar that is extremely high and that once we reach it, I actually move it even higher. I believe that we are at a point in time right now where we are poised to take advantage of the realities that are before us. So we have changed um, curriculum on Amistad with regards to our civics um, program, as well as our Black and Latino studies. We are understanding that instruction can't be, whether it's in person or not, instruction can't return to what it was prior to COVID-19. We've had many lessons learned. We're gonna tap into the reality where we are right now and move the organization in an ever so progressive uh, manner. And that um, pretty much if they didn't, weren't wearing seatbelts on before I started, everyone's gonna need to make sure that they're wearing a seatbelt uh, come the start of this school year. 
incredible. I, you know, I really appreciate your energy, your focus, and uh, your commitment to, to your work. So I want to thank you again for being with us today, taking time from all your important work to share this message. Thank you so much, Roger. I want to thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on. And thank you for the leadership you are providing us. Well, I know that uh, my colleagues would share in the sentiment uh, that uh, if we're good because we're working really hard, we're even better because you're there to assist us. So thank you so much. So kind. Thank you. And let me say to our our viewers and listeners that we'll be distributing uh, video podcast interviews as the news continues to break. So please monitor your email. Visit our website at njasa.net and subscribe to our NJASA podcast. Until then, I'm Rich Baza with Roger Leone saying please be safe, stay well, and remain healthy. Thank you.